Hello and welcome to the Hot Topics studio and this roundtable discussion on resolving cloud-based data sovereignty challenges. My name is Mark Chillingworth and it's my pleasure to be hosting this debate and I'm joined today by a series of guests who are experts on this topic. My first question to, to the panel is uh, how are regulations imposed by governments affecting your cloud strategies? Katie. Can I be very traditional and, and begin with you? <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, it's a very hot topic um, at the moment for us um, in that we have um, a very solid UK base of customers, um, but we also have a um, digital platform which is used by customers and, and users around the world. And um, we're hitting challenges with clients who are saying, well, we can only use your platform if the data is stored in the, in Europe, then it was UK, then it's, um, well, our US clients can only have it in US, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and we're really sort of struggling to work out which of these is um, really a legal requirement. So what are actual genuine legal constraints and rules that we must follow and adhere to? Um, what is sort of best practice? What might be governmental but isn't sort of corporate? Um, and how does that differ? Um, and then what are the ways around that? Because it's just not feasible in our world for us to host our platform and therefore our data in multiple locations. We're, we're not big enough to justify that. Um, so it's really quite challenging. And, and there are options around holding authentication, for example, in Europe, but hosting the platform in the US. But um, then we lose data. We lose sort of the quality of the data because we've lost knowledge of who the person is by the time we get into the application. So it's really challenging. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to hear other people's takes and, and what they're finding. Paul, you're sat the other side of the Atlantic uh, from myself. What are you seeing uh, from over there? Yeah, it's, it's an excellent topic to start with. Um, like, like many organizations, Wandisco itself is uh, an international organization. So we deal with customers and with customer data that spans jurisdictions. And as a result, that adds a lot of complexity when it comes to dealing with regulations. Um, but we have a, a slightly different take on this as well, because part of what Wandisco's business is, is assisting our customers with their data management and their data movement, typically to cloud environments. So we have found um, with the increasing arc of regulations towards greater controls around customer data, that our customers are demanding more flexibility in how data are uh, managed, how the sovereignty of data can be understood and controlled effectively. It's a very difficult thing to do at scale. And of course, every organization is attracting and using more and more data. So I'm only expecting the challenges around this to increase with time. Um, but that's certainly with the the path that Landisco has seen. Uh, customer awareness of the importance of their personal information is, is increasing every day uh, with media attention around it, uh, around the topic, with uh, just general customer familiarity and, and people being more familiar with the value behind their data and the need for controls around it. Uh, the pressure is on uh, both governments to regulate more effectively and organizations to handle customer data in more effective manners. So it's a, it's a very interesting topic. Dedlev, that's a, an ideal time to bring yourself in there. Uh, you're head of AI and data science research with, with BT. Uh, and Paul mentioned there about the, the growing volumes of data and the concerns of 
uh, of our customer base, uh, particularly an organization like BT, big, a lot of uh, PII data there. What are you seeing around regulations and also that, that point Paul made about uh, uh, concerns of the, of, of the customer and the user base? Yeah, uh, I mean, it's, it's the same for us, but our consumer uh, base sits in the UK. So all our data, we, we just started a cloud migration program about two years ago as part of a digital transformation. And um, so we make sure that this data sits in the UK and does not leave the UK. Before that, um, BT was hosting all its data on, on site, essentially. So we, we stay within the country, just move in, in, into the cloud. And, but it becomes more complicated for the international business, which is then uh, enterprise customers. And um, so that is not fully resolved yet. The, the other aspects of regulation for us is because our move is mainly targeting uh, the rollout of AI across the organization, uh, coming AI regulation, which is uh, equally challenging and interesting in terms of what we will have to do when we apply AI and uh, either procure AI solutions or build our own. And Maritza, you must recognize many of these challenges. You're head of data for your organization. Tell us what you're seeing and any uh, impacts of, uh, of government. I want to add on to what Katie said around complexity and the increased complexity that a cloud migration brings into your environment. And it depends on what industry you're in, but especially if you're in a highly regulated industry like banking, the impact of that is that you have much longer governance processes around your cloud migration, even before you start your cloud migration. In fact, probably throughout your cloud migration, because every application that you migrate, you will have to understand what data are you migrating you have to classify that data and you might go through a different governance process for each of those. So I think that process is, it's, it takes longer. But then what Paul said about flexibility is that that's the requirement. We want to be more flexible in spite of all of this um, complexity. And I think that legislation can force an organization to go with a hybrid cloud strategy because some data cannot leave the country. It, it has to be stored in country. It has to be stored on premise. Um, and what happens then is that you might need lose some of the functionality that you need because the functionality that you have access to in a private cloud versus a public cloud is going to be different. So I think there are many impacts and it's quite a complex thing to, to get your head around and to work around. But I, I wouldn't say that you are going to do it on your own. You actually need different viewpoints here. You need legal to be involved. You need the CISO to be involved, the chief data officer, IT. You need everyone involved to, to help you navigate uh, this complexity. We are Alliance Direct as a regulated industry. In fairness, that, that somewhat makes it easier because we're used to being regulated, right? More regulation is, is kind of what the organization is built for. Uh, I think what we've talked about today has touched on parts that can be mitigated by yourself, right? So if you're gonna to move to the cloud with your data, you can choose to make investments to, to mitigate those risks. The, the bits we've struggled most with have been when we found an innovative uh, new vendor, usually a SaaS vendor, and they've been you know, based maybe in the US. They're the parts that we struggled with because we can't drive the change in that organization. Um, you know, we, need to, we would need to be a very large customer to get them to make the investments to, to move their data to Europe. Uh, and that's really been the ones we've struggled the most with, to be honest. And, and, and on that, I'll, I'll 
come to you first for the next question, which is what is the best way to protect customers' data whilst leveraging those capabilities you just described that so often in the cloud? Yeah, it's, it's, I, I don't know if there is a best way to be honest, right? I think there is a growing groundswell of best practice um, you know, your own encryption keys that you provide to the cloud vendors, those kind of things are pretty well thought out now. Um, and in, unless you're getting to, uh, you know, the, the highest tier of personal data, like health information, you can generally find mechanisms to, to overcome any kind of uh, legislation concerns in, in Europe. Of course, when we start talking about other uh, jurisdictions, it gets more complicated. Um, but in Europe, at least, there, there's a, there is a good way to do things. Uh, I think, though, that, you know, getting that knowledge is the hard part, right? So we at least have the benefit of being part of a really large organization. There's entire departments uh, who just read Baffin regulations and UK regulations and explain them to us. It must be a much bigger challenge, I think, if you didn't have that to rely on. Absolutely, and I, I agree um, that there isn't a one-size-fits-all. I, I think it depends on your use case and the type of data that you are moving to the cloud. So you know, maybe your strategy for one use case is pseudonymization and for another one, it could be a hybrid approach. So it definitely um, depends on the use case. Um, and again, I think this is where you want a, a multi-view or multi-department um, view uh, because here you also want the business involved because your data owners are the ones who's going to guide you in terms of what the sensitivity of the data is. Are they comfortable with moving that data to the cloud? Does the use case justify the risk of moving that data to the cloud? So, you know, you have to have those conversations continuously. Um, and I would say you have to be very intentional about it. So whether that is a, you know, you have that as a standing agenda point on your, your risk committee agenda, or you have a, a data governance forum, but it, it has to be embedded somewhere. Um, otherwise, you know, things will fall through the cracks. Katie, Maritza made a very good point there about cross-functional teams are kind of essential and this is, is that how uh, uh, you've worked in the past to help your organization leverage cloud capability? Yeah, I mean, I, I suppose there's two points really. One's, one on the governance, I think it's essential. Um, and to your point, um, it's becoming harder and harder in you know mid-sized organizations to resource this. Um, but the governance of that sort of data, and especially if you get into a lot of PII, we work with students, sometimes under 18s, and then there's a, a additional levels of... Um, you know, protection and security required. Um, so that governance is absolutely a cross-organizational um, piece of work. We've had to put it in people's personal objectives, you know, people in finance, people in other parts of the organization. Um, and it's, you know, quite tedious and quite consuming in, in terms of time and the amount of people and the amount of time and effort that we have to put in. Um, so I 100% agree with that. I think your point around the SaaS products, I think that's where I'm facing the challenge in that part of our service offering is a SaaS platform hosted in the US because that's where most of our clients came from. But as we're starting to use that for all of our UK clients, we're hitting this complexity where we've already got the cloud providers saying to us, well, you know, we're this cloud provider, can you put your platform on our cloud? And then we're this cloud provider, can you put your cloud, you know, your, your platform on this cloud? And then, oh, and by the way, we need it hosting in Europe. Oh no, we need it in UK. Oh no, it needs to be here. It's just impossible. The whole point of the cloud was to remove all of that concern. 
Um, and now we're just making it so complicated for ourselves. I really feel like there's a need for some, and I, I hear rumours that there are going to be some legislation changes in Europe and the UK um, to remove some of those needs. And I think often organisations are sort of making these demands and requests of SaaS providers just to try. And actually, when you get there, you go, well, does it really have to be in the in Europe? Well, no, as long as we know it's in the US. Okay, fine. So we can do a deal. But certainly, as you say, in regu highly regulated industries, I'm sure that isn't the case. And it is going to be a challenge. Uh, Paul and Detlev, I mean, um, is more technology the best way to protect the customer uh, in, in this scenario? Detlev, I'll start with you, if I may. No, it's not a technology question. It's a, a governance question. And I, I agree. So it has to be cross-organization. And uh, so that's what we are doing. We're working with legal, regulatory, and, and strategy to prepare these kind of procedures and make sure that we have strong governance processes and uh, we combined it with our data ethics and responsible tech uh, governance to make sure that people are aware of these questions. And um, but it's not a technology problem, it's a governance issue. Yeah, I'd, I'd certainly agree with that, Leah. Uh, that there's no reason to say that technology can be the sole answer around uh, regulations on data privacy. Um, and in terms of the, the kind of best practices side of things, I think it would be foolish for anybody to say that they can dictate what their best practice is around uh, managing uh, customer data effectively. Uh, the one thing I would say, though, is that I know best practice tomorrow will not be the same as best practice today. So organizations need to keep that aspect of flexibility in mind. Uh, they will need to change how they manage data in the future compared to what they do today. Um, they will need to have different areas of focus. Regulations will change. Um, we're already hearing news around the extent to which GDPR style regulations is about to take impact in the US. And uh, Kate made mention of um, pending changes in European regulations as well. So the one thing that organizations need to do is ensure they don't encumber themselves with decisions that can't be reversed or modified readily around how customer data is managed. We've already touched on our, on our next point, which is that organizations of a global footprint have a challenge in keeping up with the, the rising number of da data sovereignty laws. What best practice, therefore, is there to ensure that the cloud strategy can keep pace with the fact that the laws are changing, it feels like, at a greater pace than at any other time? Uh, Des, I'll start with you as you're clearly a very global organization, Alliance. Yeah, uh, yeah so, so we have a lot of different regulators, and, and so even Alliance Direct is in four markets, but there's, you know, in that there's four different regulators, and then we have the European uh, regulations on top. It is, I think, super hard to keep track of those. The, the, the regulators are very good at communicating changes, but usually those communications are not something that you can send to an engineer and say, here, something's changed. You need to get a legal opinion. You need to get a kind of an appetite from the organization about how, what, how they want to interpret the words. Uh, and all these things, honestly, I think you need a, if you're going to, it depends on the industry maybe and the data that you have, but a dedicated department is the only way forward that I think. It, it cannot be a hobby of the organization. Also, the other part you have to remember is, Part of the work is getting it and implementing that solution, right? But, but then showing compliance is, is generally a much greater uh, effort. So every year you've got to go through and you've got to show that, you know, you're complying with different regulations in different countries. And if you've got, say, one central engineering team like ours, that means four different compliance checks just to, to satisfy each of the regulators. That is something that's just huge effort on our side too. Mm. Dele, 
Des raised a really interesting point there, didn't he? That actually we've all sat and had at some point in our lives had to read a legal document. And unless we are the, the legal expert in that particular field, they are generally inaccessible. And is that something that increasingly you and your organizations are having to do is, is, is understand, interpret, and then ma- marry that, that, that legal uh, jargon language uh, to your own uh, environment? We are a regulated organization and uh, we are a large organization. So we have a very good legal department and we have experts on regulation that keep track of these things. The, the challenge is more having the conversation between these departments and the technical departments. So it's not just that technical people have to understand how to implement GDPR or any sort of future regulation. It's also the, the legal experts have to understand what the technical experts are actually doing right now and how to uh, have this conversation going and make sure we're talking the same language. And this is where you need uh, cross-functional diverse teams to make sure that you're not dropping the ball. I do agree with that. And um, I think that, you know, we, we can embed all of the principles of the legislation in policies, but you can't always rely on the people in your organization. You, you can do lots of training. Um, but you can't always rely on humans to actually apply um, those principles and that policy because most of us read the policy once and that's kind of it. So for me, the key is you have to turn those policies into actual practices and those practices have to be embedded in your organizational processes. So you don't have to just rely um, on people doing the right thing in the right way. Um, and I agree with Detlef that those practices cannot just be formulated by a single team, by IT or by the data office. It has to be formulated at an enterprise level and, again, with a cross-functional uh, view. Because if you put a process in place that's going to, you know, make an IT process easier but that affects the way that your call center now is working, then that's not great for the organization either. So you you have to find a balance. You can only find a balance if you have different viewpoints and you have that diversity from the organization. Maritz makes an excellent point around the notion of bringing policy to practice and the, the significant importance of cultural elements within organizations around handling customer data, the understanding of that and the impact of that is, uh, is I think, of, of prime importance in how you can bring policy to practice. Uh, as uh, organizations, as uh, customers and as regulators understand the, uh, the need for plain language descriptions of how data are managed, how data are handled um, and the responsibilities around data, uh, can only go towards improving the ability for organizations to meet those regulations in a way that's uh, impactful for customers and uh, valuable for them. Uh, and keeping the, the customer needs in mind is, is a key element around how policies and practices and the culture that surrounds those becomes a part of how an organization operates. But it's a very, obviously a very complex topic to discuss. Uh, we're touching on you know, the nexus of technology, of, of data, of changes in policy, of uh, global 
conflicts in terms of potential regulations and uh, how that impacts organizations. A hugely complex, challenging aspect for any organization to cover effectively. I'd like to add something to what Paul said because um, on, on the topic of accountability and responsibility, I think that's that's really important. What you need is actually a data privacy or protection structure or organizational structure in your organization. So you have to know who is accountable for what. What is the chief data officer accountable for? What is the CISO um, accountable for? What is the CEO um, accountable for? Who are your data owners and what do they own? What are they supposed to make decisions about? And that's got to be clear. People need to know what their role is in that structure. Um, because that also takes the, the risk of the, the human element um, out of it, because you have, you, you know where the buck is going to stop. It's a fantastic point. And, and of course, the cloud is, is no different from many areas of technology, Katie. Is it, it, there's still handoffs and, and responsibilities to the suppliers, and they, they need to see a structure like Maritz has just eloquently put there, I'd imagine. Yeah, um, I was just actually thinking before that um, I think we're sort of also going to be more reliant on them to help solve this problem. So I think the, you know, the big three, four, however many we want to say are now big um, in terms of cloud providers and the services that they offer are going to have to start to help address some of these things because certainly it's going to become restrictive for SaaS businesses to operate if it's extremely, it's still quite clunky to move your infrastructure from one physical region to another um, you know, despite all the tools that are available to do so. So I think there's a lot about that. Um, certainly we're using some technology to try to help that governance piece that you mentioned, Maritza, around um, responsibilities, what a data owner is responsible for and accountable for, um, and providing them with tools because you can say you're responsible for that, but the minute somebody downloads a spreadsheet, it's it's gone. It can be anywhere. That Those pieces of information can go anywhere. So, um, you know, having a great sort of data provision in your business is really important to try to restrict the amount of data that comes out of controllable systems um, and then making sure that those accountabilities are clear. But the, the cloud providers and other software providers are also going to have to help us solve this problem by putting controls and giving us tools to help manage it because it will become an enormous industry of manual task otherwise. And in a world of transformation, we're supposed to be moving away from that and not towards more of it. We've talked a great deal about sort of the, the culture and the governance and the structures that will enable us to, to, to ensure that we uh, protect the data sovereignty as, as we increasingly use the cloud. But when you go away from today's uh, events uh, and this discussion, it'd be, be quite interesting to know what the individual challenges your organizations are facing with implementing and updating those policies uh, and some of the risks that uh, you're, you're dealing with and how you deliver that adherence to data sharing within your organizations that you know, will no doubt be on your desks the minute you get back <laughs> from this discussion. Uh, and, and I think it'll be really helpful for, for your peers uh, listening in to, to, to hear how you deal with those because uh, no doubt they face the same, same challenges. Uh, Paul, I'll start with you if I may. When Disco sells technology to organizations that are migrating data to the cloud, um, but one of the unique things that we do there is we deeply embed that into some of the cloud providers' offerings themselves. So our technology sits within Azure Cloud. Our technology is resold by IBM. Our technology is 
available to Oracle customers, you know, work equally with Google and AWS and all of the cloud providers. But we, we try to do that in a way that meets our customers' requirements around their data regulation and data management needs. Um, so it's, it's a hugely complex thing to do. Um, the, the thing we try to focus on in doing that is in embedding the capabilities within our technology to ensure customers have the controls they need to be able to enforce policy effectively and to ensure that they can demonstrate that they're adhering to the policies that they need to, um, firstly, to satisfy regulation uh, and regulators, but also to satisfy their customer requirements. Um, simple needs like you know, the sovereignty of data um, with regards to you know, jurisdictional boundaries is one aspect of it. Well, I'm using the word simple, but of course it's not simple. Um, but it's simple in relation to the breadth of requirements that span what organizations need to do when they're dealing with international customer data sets or uh, potentially conflicting regulatory requirements or changing regulatory requirements. But the capacity to embed responses to that in technologies and product offerings that themselves may be embedded to a degree with the cloud providers is quite significant and uh, certainly keeps me up at night. Maritza, when you uh, return to your desk after this uh, meeting, what, uh, what challenges will you face in updating your organization on its policies uh, and making sure there's good data sharing uh, adherence? So I'm going to add on to the conversation around increased complexity and how difficult it's becoming to monitor our environments um, because you can't do that. Uh, with a manual process. So Paul talked about automation. I think that is absolutely key. So DLP technology, for example, is a great way to go. Um, the other thing that I want to say around monitoring is that you also have to understand what your KPIs are. And you have to give visibility of how you as an organization and even at a, a business unit level or an, uh, an entity level, um, how you are faring against those KPIs. And you need to, you know, report on that somewhere, again, at a, a risk committee or, or whatever. But again, I think that's something like monitoring um, your adherence to policies and practices should be monitored and you should create visibility around that with, um, you know, uh, governance, risk and compliance reporting, a GRC um, dashboard, that kind of thing. Just one thing to mention is the first thing that the company decided to do was replicate security guardrails in the cloud in, in order to have the same sort of control in uh, over the data in the cloud that we have when the data is on-prem. And so that's uh, something you can do to make sure that you are safe, but uh, you then have to make sure that you don't restrict the capabilities you get from having the data in the cloud because you go there for a purpose, right? You want to do more with the data than you were able to do before when you had it on-prem. So it's, it's really difficult to strike that balance and you have to be flexible and you have to be, uh, be aware that you may have to change again in, in, in the near future. And um, so it has to be a, a kind of a living infrastructure that has to adapt to changes in regulation and changes in use cases. I think one of the sort of the element that we maybe not talked so much about is the fact that in our organization, we've got a lot of legacy data and we've got data quality issues. So sort of in addition to dealing with this future problem, 
um, as we try to transform the organization and modernize data and modernize use of data, I'm sort of actively trying to encourage the business to be more data literate, make more data driven decisions, um, but at the same time going, but please don't use any data. <laughs> so it's, um, I think that's the balance really is how we sort of deal with all that legacy and the quality issues and therefore the control around legacy data, which is far worse than sort of the more modern, encourage people to do it to use data through the transformation process, but also have all those controls in place is, is a really tight sort of tricky thing to, to find the right balance. It's a great place if we haven't got the foundations in place. Yeah. Uh, and last, but uh, in no means least, Des, uh, what do you face when you get back and uh, how are you uh, aligning it all correctly? Indeed. So um, our, the German insurance regulator, Baffin, um, requires that we look at all of our strategies and policies uh, once a year at least. Um, and it's that time of year again. So now I've got to gather together any changes that have happened both from Baffin or by the group itself, um, and then map them to our existing rules. And in Alliance Direct, we did a bit of a different strategy. So we talked about language earlier. Um, we tried to make that translation from very technical legal language to policies that every engineer, every product owner could understand. And that way you get more engagement and buy-in. But of course, when a new policy comes out or there's changes, then you've got to do that mapping back again. You need to make sure that even though the language might be more um, understandable, it's still got to cover the actual things the policy was trying to, to cover. Um, and so that work each year is, is pretty difficult. Um, as part of also engaging more people, we do push that work down to the engineers and the team, to the ISO as well. Um, all the different teams come together and write it in their language. Um, and it's, it's not a small piece of work and it's not a piece of work everyone's looking forward to. Right? So, so that's, that's just, we try to get it done before Christmas so that we can have a nice end of year. And, and then get approved by the board and, and hopefully that's it for the next year. Wonderful. Thank you to all my panelists for joining us in this discussion on resolving cloud-based data sovereignty challenges. It's been a fascinating debate and it's been interesting to hear the, the, the multitude of different ways of tackling the same problem, no matter which uh, geography or uh, vertical market or company size you're in. So thank you all for sharing your insights. Thank you for joining the studio.